What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Anna Creates Podcast. My name is Alex Krotz, and today I come to you with a different type of episode that I want to do more of because I think there's a lot of value and I like hearing from you guys. So this is a Q&A episode. So I reached out on Twitter, on Instagram, various places, and people submitted a couple questions. And I want to be able to open that up and I want to kind of be able to show that, that you too can submit your questions and I will answer them on hopefully kind of a monthly or bi-monthly episode where I do a Q&A session where I just answer some of your questions. So that is what we have today. So thank you to those who have submitted their questions. And I will be kind of adding a a question submission system on my website, but you can submit your questions through there, through the contact form, or you can go and find me on Instagram or Twitter at Anna Creates and just tweet at me or send me a message and just tell me, I have a question for the podcast um, to be submitted for the next Q&A episode because I will be doing more of these. So with that, let's dive in to the first question that I have here. And that is, uh, why did you choose Pro Tools and why do you stick with it? So obviously this is a question that actually does come up quite a bit. And that is, why do it? Why why am I on Pro Tools? Why do I stick with Pro Tools? Because I mean, I'm not the only person with their gripes about Pro Tools yet. I still stick with it um, because there's lots of great DAWs out there. And I, I'm going to do a whole episode about which DAW is right for you. That's a whole topic that I love diving into with people as long as they're not overly defensive about it. But um, there's just so many great DAWs out there and so many great pieces of software now for anybody, depending on what type of workflow you need, what kind of music you make, what you want your DAW to be able to do for you. So for me, I am a Pro Tools user. I have been for a good 10, 15 years now. I've been on it for quite a while, but I didn't start on Pro Tools. I actually started on Cubase was my first DAW. Then I had Sony Vegas for a while, which is actually a video editing software. They might've come in the other order, but I had Sony Vegas for a while, which that was when I was doing a little bit of video editing back in the day, back when I first started. And and so it was kind of like, oh great, I can do both of them with you know video and audio with Sony Vegas. And then I think it was that one was first. And then I got Cubase when I wanted to go more into audio specifically and it came bundled with an interface that my parents got me for Christmas. That was kind of my introduction to that. So I I used that for a while and that had... um Acid as well included, so I played with Acid a bit. I don't really know what it did exactly, because at that point I didn't know what it did. So I played with Sony Acid for a while as well, and then uh, eventually I saved up and got Pro Tools, and the first Pro Tools rig I got was... 7.4, I think, had just come out, or right after I got it, had came out, uh, one of the two, because 7.4 was the first major update that I was aware of that I was using, and I got it with the uh, Digi003 with all the faders on it, so that was my first Pro Tools rig, and that was also when I switched to Mac, before that I was in PC, so in one fail swoop, I went from everything else to Pro Tools with an interface with faders on it and a Mac, and I got my first MacBook Pro at that point, so Anyway, that's I got into Pro Tools because that's what I had heard at that time was the industry standard. We did, there wasn't a ton of stuff with Logic. There wasn't there was not as many DAWs as there are now, or that were as stable as Pro Tools was at the time, and and well known as Pro Tools was at the time. So I had heard from various people that I talked to, Pro Tools was the DAW of choice. The Pro Tools was if I wanted to go in professionally, that's the DAW I needed to know. And I still believe that that kind of remains true in a way, uh, in some senses, so bear with me here, but I really think that if you want to work in a large format studio, 
and you want to collaborate with various other top-level engineers and producers, you need to at least understand Pro Tools and know Pro Tools. Pro Tools doesn't have to be your main DAW of choice, but having understanding about it, it's still kind of the industry standard for the top-level studios. And why is that, and, and why I uh, still remain with it, is it's really good for recording in those formats. Logic and stuff, it's really great. I love Logic. I use Logic as well. I have Logic. It's a great piece of software. I absolutely love it for certain things. It's way beyond Pro Tools in some capacities. And in other ways, Pro Tools is way better than it. Every DAW has kind of its strength, and you have to figure out what you like. And for me, I stick with Pro Tools because of the audio editing. I like like the, the really precise audio editing, the um, shortcuts, just knowing them inside and out. When I go to different studios with Pro Tools and I work with a lot of Pro Tools guys, I can send Pro Tools sessions around. I can you know do anything with Pro Tools. And it's just so ingrained in my head. Switching for a slight difference isn't really going to help me. I just, I've invested so much in Pro Tools and I, in, in terms of time, I've invested a lot of time in learning Pro Tools. My workflows are based around Pro Tools. I've actually done a few things where I've tried to use Logic and, and I do use Logic uh, on a semi-regular basis actually, but I have a friend of mine who I keep asking for questions. I'm like, hey man, why, how do I do this in Logic? And the workflow is just very different. There's certain things that I do in Pro Tools that I like live live by in Pro Tools that just are like not features in Logic. That's not how Logic's built. That's not the workflow they want you to use. And it's confusing to me. And I know that different DAWs have different ways of doing that. I've, Ableton Live looks amazing and I think it's a fantastic software. But the workflow for it doesn't work for me, doesn't work for my uh, way of making music. It doesn't give me any benefit, and I just don't have enough time to overly dive into learning it at the moment for it to warrant uh, actually moving sessions over to that. Anyway, I stick with Pro Tools uh, because... It just, it's in every studio that I use, I'm really fast at it. I'm hired because of my speed in Pro Tools, my ability to work fast, and that's because I use it every day, and that's because I'm it's so ingrained in me. So that's why I stick with Pro Tools. But that being said, whatever works for your, your workflow, for your style of music, whatever works for you, you know? Um, next question that I have is, what is one of your favorite sessions that you ever did? Uh, there's a bunch of them. There's, they all have their different values. They all have their different things that stand out in my mind. And but one of the kind of the one of the most valuable sessions, and one of the ones that I learned the most on, or two, I guess I should say. There's tons of different sessions that I worked on that. I really enjoyed working with the people. I really enjoyed the the music. I really enjoyed just having fun with them. And then there were others that were really high profile. So like it it was fun in the way that I got to say I get to say that I worked with that that name, but it wasn't as hands-on. It wasn't as I didn't learn as much or whatnot, whatever it was, but I still really enjoyed those sessions because they were their value that that was just a different type of session for me. So one of my favorite sessions that kind of combines the two is there's two sessions that come to mind. One is Billy Talent, which was one of the first big sessions that I was on, actually, was the first big session. It wasn't as hands-on for me. I was still very low on the totem pole, but I did get to work with them, which they were a huge influence to me and the way that their records sound, everything like that. And I really, really enjoyed being able to work with them. Um, the thing that stands out is that that session, although it was super fun, the guys were super nice, I got to know them, I spent two months with them, and it was awesome. That was that stood out to me how nice they were and their work ethic. Like it, they were long days, a lot of work done, and you know it was amazing. But the thing that really stood out to me was actually 
the editing and the processes that I learned during that session. That was one of the first big sessions that I got to see how they made a record that I really, really liked the sound of. So the, the Billy Town guitar sound, the really chopped, edited, perfect looking, it just sounds phenomenal and so crystal clear. And I got to see how that was done. I got to see the kind of the biggest budget and the biggest amount of time to make a record with guitars that I'd ever seen. And the editing involved, just stuff like that, that made the sound. The guitar player was amazing. He was one of the best guitar players I've ever I've ever worked with, like so good, but they still edited everything. They still recorded everything in a very different way. And I might talk about this in a different in a different episode or, or on my channel, but I didn't know that that was a thing. And, and because of the way that they did things that I had never been really aware of, I learned so much. I got to talk to the Pro Tools editor a lot and learn from him. And I watched all of his stuff. And that was my first real, uh, really being able to see the speed of different shortcuts and, and macros and how to utilize the different shortcuts and, and really become super, super fast. So that was one of the first introductions to that. And I remember going home after every day of that session and looking up what the shortcuts were that he was using, how he was using them, trying out the different things he was doing. And I just, my eyes were glued on the, on the Pro Tools screen the whole time. And it was really, really neat for me. And it really stood out for me because of that part of it. And that's where I really got this appreciation for editing as a piece of the art. It wasn't editing because they sucked. It was editing because it was art. And that was one of the first sessions that I really noticed that. And I, ever since then, that's how I view editing and that's how I view crafting music that way. That's what they loved. That's the sound that they were going for. And that's now a big part of my thing because I love that sound. Another uh, a second session that really stood out for kind of the same reasons, but I was a lot more hands-on. I got to engineer on this, on this record was... Uh, Three Days Grace, and that was the first time that I was really hands-on. I got to engineer for an artist that I super, super looked up to and was a big influence in me. Uh, their first record was one of my biggest influences getting into making music like that. And I just, I absolutely love that record and everything around it. So it was really cool to work with them and see the process that they use to write songs because I was right, I was in the room for a lot of the writing as well. They did a lot of writing in the studio, uh, a lot of manipulating the tracks as we were going, a lot of throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall and seeing what sticked and seeing how it played together. And that is now a big part of my engineering and a big part of my production style is I record a lot of stuff. I get it all edited. I put it all in. And then during mixing and during kind of the, the production that part of the production I, I love love mixing even if I'm not mixing a track I love the kind of rough mixing then of the stuff and muting stuff that I already have but I like being able to have it there so I can mute it instead of thinking oh be really cool if we had this we do a lot I just throw a lot of stuff against the wall and that was one of the first sessions that I really learned about that approach to recording and approach to production so that was another really really fun session that I really enjoyed but besides that there were so many sessions with so many great engineers and producers that I got to work on that too many to even mention that all stick in my head as really fun and just really you know cool that way but those two Billy Talent and Three Days Grace were two bands that I worked with that I really enjoyed working with and I learned a lot and really, really shaped, I can pinpoint it to those sessions, shaped how I work today and how I, my career progressed from there. So really cool. Those sessions were probably my favorite ones. Next is, what is your biggest muse and inspiration for creating? Um, to me, I don't really, I wouldn't say that I have like a, an exact 
thing that triggers me to be creative. I do need time. One of the biggest things for me, and this is a, a, something that I like to, that I kind of tell people they should have, is I like to have time to create. So if I want to write a song or if I want to work on the cover songs I've been working on, I typically make that like kind of my whole afternoon. I don't like to book stuff after that. I don't like to book creativity for an hour or two. I like to have it kind of open-ended allow myself to stop if I'm not being creative, allow myself to have other things I could do uh, if I wanted to, but nothing pressing because I've found that when I know I only have three hours, I don't get nearly as into something as if I'm like, this is the rest of my day or this is my weekend is creating this. So it's kind of relaxing in that way. And that's when I, when there's no pressure and this is a, an actual scientific cognitive thing in your brain <laughs> um, that because there's no stress, so to say, so to speak, you become more creative. And that's one thing that I really, I've become very aware of. I don't try and book my creativity, my arrangements of songs, my songwriting into, into small pieces of time. If I book the time, I do it and kind of it's the afternoon. Uh, if I don't, then I, or I like to do it at night too, because then I, I could stay up if I wanted to. And it's kind of an open-ended way. If I'm really into it, I can just stay up. So that's another thing I like creating at night. Um, but yeah, really it's just showing up and doing it when I know I need to do it. Um, the, the practice by Seth Godin is a great book about this whole thing is, is if you're professional, you show up every day and you do it. And as long as you know, kind of the scenario that helps you, and in my case, it's not booking stuff after that kind of thing that helps me. Uh, but I don't, you know, sit around and wait for inspiration to strike. I do show up and I try to record. I try to write. And even if I sit there and I record one guitar riff and it, that's all I do that day and nothing else is coming and it's not really good and it doesn't go anywhere besides that day. Fine. I still showed up and I did it. And that is how I find I come up with my best ideas is at some point, one of those days I come up with something, I keep going. And six hours later, I have a song done. That's how my inspiration strikes for the writing side of things for production stuff. Again, it's professional. If I'm working with a band, I have to show up and do it. If I'm mixing a track, I have to show up and do it. So I just book the time in. I know that this is my afternoon to do this and I have to show up and do it because otherwise it's not going to get done. The way that I have to tell myself that, and I've been doing this for years because when I worked at the studio, again, I would have to show up whether I was feeling it or not. I still had to show up and do the best work I could do. So there's not really a muse or a, a, an inspiration striking thing for me. It's it's whatever the situation is and I have to show up and, and make the most of it. Next question. Why do you share the knowledge like you do? This is a very easy question for me. Why Why do I have Anna Creates? Um, because I had phenomenal, phenomenal mentors when I was growing up and when I was getting into music. I had great mentors and I want to be able to pay that forward. I was lucky enough to have mentors from the old school of thinking and from the new school of thinking when it comes to creation. And so some of the guys use some of the some of my mentors use tape exclusively. Some of them were from tape, came into Pro Tools. Some of them are super digital and super new. And I had mentors and learned a lot from producers and engineers from rock music, jazz music, pop music, um, hip hop, rap, everything under the sun. There was there you know there are tons of different sessions that I was on from every genre of music you could possibly think of, and I learned from mid-level studio guys to 
high level studio guys to uh, helping friends and and learning from you know you guys even f- from the the kind of the home studio style the more hobbyist style all sorts of different ways of thinking and different ways to create and I really enjoy that and I want to be able to take the knowledge that I've learned and kind of condense it down and share it with people getting into this. Because when I was starting, I was lucky to have those mentors. But now, you know, I find that being able to talk to somebody and to be able to ask them questions and learn from that and learn from watching people and watching tons of different people. The way that I have the workflow that I have is because I watched a million different engineers working and picked one or two pieces from each one of the ways that they worked. Some I picked more, some I picked less because I liked the way that they did certain things or I didn't like the way they did certain things. That's how I developed my own workflow. So I really like to be able to, because I know that, I like to be able to share my knowledge, but also I keep it very open to, you know, let me help you figure out what what works best for you. This is not the only way. And the one thing that I really don't like about a, a ton of different channels and different things online of education of this is, this is the only way. This is the way it has to be done. Here's five steps to do this. And sure, you know, that stuff kind of pulls people in, but I don't agree with it. And I, I think that the content itself, the stuff that I like to put out is a lot more free flowing and a lot more, we need to find what works for you because there is no one right way. There's a million ways, depending on what your situation is and what works best for your creativity, for your workflow, everything like that, your energy, everything. And, and so that's why I, I started Anna Creates and that's why I share my knowledge the way that I do is because I want to be that kind of mentor and be able to be there for people to ask questions, to learn from me, to be able to watch what I do. Um, and I hope that I can help people with their journey because I had phenomenal mentors who were really pro, who just can't mentor a ton of people. Um, and now I get to be able to pass that on a little bit and I just feel very thankful for that. So I like the fact that I can pass that on and I really enjoy it. I really love, even when I was at the studio working with interns that would come in, I loved sharing and loved helping them. And if they helped me, if they worked with me, then I would stick around for an extra hour after a session and show them some things and answer their questions. And I absolutely love doing that. So that's why I knew it was a natural fit for me to take my knowledge and be able to share it because I, I genuinely, genuinely love being able to share my knowledge with people and ask answer questions. And, and uh, I always find that I learn more because if I don't know an answer... I at least have the knowledge to be able to figure it out. So that I learn too, because then I'm like, Oh, I never, I never thought of that. So I'm going to go look at that, look up that and figure out how to do it. So, you know, I like that. I like being able to share that knowledge and that's why I, I do Anna creates and that's why I try and help people. Next question I have is I was watching a track breakdown from your Sean Mendez cover. When it comes to your productions, how do you plan out all the layers and get them fitting together in different parts? Or do you have a specific approach? I kind of answered this in a previous thing about the three days gray session. Um, so I'll, I'll keep this one brief, but I do have an approach in the fact that I kind of try a bunch of stuff, see what works. And then when I'm mixing, I love rough mixing to take all those pieces and mute stuff that doesn't work and try different things. So I kind of put down, for instance, I put down a guitar part or a, or a vocal part. Then I do a harmony. Then I do another harmony on that. And then I do another harmony. And then I mute the first harmony and try a, another harmony. And in the end, I get to, I, I use the th- third or fourth harmony that I came up with muting all the other ones but that wouldn't have naturally come to me if I hadn't done all those interim harmonies in between 
um, and it just, that's why sometimes it sounds different and it's like, how did he come up with that? It's because I, there was a bunch of different layers in there and I like being able to kind of build on stuff and then pare it back down because I never know where it's going to lead me naturally. So the, the layers, I do have certain approaches and I talk about them in the breakdown videos and I have a new breakdown video coming soon for another song. Um, so I just, there's different approaches for every single one of them, but they, there's a purpose for every part that I put in. And I, I know that going into it, I'm not just throwing stuff that literally has no purpose and I have no idea what it could do. Sometimes actually I do that, but less, less often, but I, I just try a lot of different things that I think might work in some capacity. And then I play with it after the fact, and it's way easier for me to mute stuff than it is to create stuff after the fact. So that's my creative uh, workflow in that sense. So um, I kind of I kind of answered that in the previous question, but uh, yeah, that's how I do it. All right, and for the last question of this episode, I have: How do you approach recording vocals or guitars? Do you like to do a bunch of takes and comp later, or punch in each time? So the answer to this question varies based on whether it's my own project or whether it's a project I'm producing or engineering. Uh, what the artist is doing, if they want to do it a certain way, how they feel, and I kind of work with that. Um, but for my own personal stuff, for my covers, for my originals, what I like to do is I typically so for for guitars I never actually play the song all the way through when I'm recording I I could but I don't really the, the time I actually learn how to play it is for the music videos I'll be totally honest I learn the parts afterwards for the music video but during the during the moment I don't play it all the way through because I have no interest in trying to learn to play it all the way through I have no interest in learning and and playing it all the way through ever again after I play it for the recording I, I don't play live I, I don't I don't care so I don't I like to kind of focus in and really hone in on how to play each part play it as best as I can for that section and then move on instead of kind of being able to do a whole take I just don't care and that's not the way I think when I'm producing I do each section separately and so that I can put them all together and it sounds really cool overall but I, I just don't need to be able to play it and the different layers too that come in and out and you know each section needs different layering so I kind of build the song as I go along for guitars I always double guitars and so I do the the first section like the verse or the first half of the verse or whatever I do that until I get it right and then I double it and then I do that till I get it right and then I move on and I will typically actually build out a section a lot of the time or a certain guitar sound so I might do all the rhythm guitars through the song and in each layer I'll, I'll layer the different parts I use an axe effects for my guitar sounds um, so I can switch between different sounds back and forth so once I get the different sounds and how they layer then I can kind of work on the next section work on the next section and do the you know clean guitar sound and then I flip over to the next the crunchier guitar sound and then I flip over to the octaver guitar sound and then I flip over to the whatever the layers are whatever the point is and you know the choruses have more layers than the verses do and so I kind of get to craft it as I go in that way whether it's a whole bunch of layers or whether it's just a couple different sounds whether I hone in on that section and really try to to find the different sounds that work or how I like it to sound it really depends on the song itself but I definitely play section by section and go through that way 
Uh, and so, yeah, I guess it's a lot of punching, but I don't do like 10 takes of it and then deal with it later. I actually sit there and I'm like, am I happy with this? Good. Move on. For vocals, I'm the same way. I do each section separately. I do the lead vocals first and then I go back and do harmonies and just kind of layer harmonies wherever I hear them. Um, and that can take a while. And I find that really fun. I love coming up with harmonies and stuff. It's the same way with guitars. Frankly, I do, I do all the rhythm guitars first and then I go back and do lead guitars, uh, and try harmonies, play with harmonies. I kind of do the ones that I know I need and then I play with more and just have fun with it and see what what comes out of it but for vocals I sing the line and I do line by line I, I do section by section whatever it is that I need I don't sing the whole song all the way through and I just get one till I, I like it I do a double and I do a triple I always do three just in case even if I don't need three I do three backgrounds I do two I just like having it there because I don't have ten takes to comp from so I can't kind of go back and go oh I really wish I had a double for this section now that I've reproduced certain parts of it or whatever i like having the options already there already laid in stone so i have at least three because i know that's the maximum i'll need for the most part for for most things so that's kind of my default and then when it comes to editing then i edit maybe all three maybe not um typically i do because i don't mind editing so i just kind of do that and then i mute them all after the fact but um <laughs> anyway so that's how I do vocals. Now, if I'm working with an artist and I'm doing vocals with an uh, outside artist, then I will do takes and I do 10 takes or, or whatever it is. And I kind of coach them through and I make notes per take as to what changed, what I liked, what I didn't like. And in my head, I kind of make a, a start of a mental comp. And even on screen, I'll start kind of comping it as they're singing. I'll drag up different sections into a comp just to kind of have somewhere to start. And typically that's actually where the comp ends up being from. But I have the option to go back and fix things if I dive into the edit and I'm, I'm kind of go, ooh, that, I thought that was good, but I don't know. Because when I'm with an artist, I don't want to have to play back every single take. When I'm by myself, I could play back. If I'm like, that felt really good, but I'm not sure, then I can play it back. With an artist, I don't love doing that. So I, I, I just want them to get through it. I want them to feel good. So if they listen to it and they don't like it, fully because it's not perfectly in tune or whatever you know i can it can massage some things i don't like to really have them listen to it um it, this is of course my default that i like to do with artists if they're down to do it uh whatever their workflow is that they like to do then i, I try and work within their bounds and try and kind of come to a compromise or or just do what they want because at the end of the day they have to be the most comfortable so that's what i do with them but uh, yeah i i do like comping then after the fact i'll go through and go through word by word or, or line by line or section by section and, and take the best take that I think after the fact when I can listen to it again and then tune it and whatever editing I want to do to that or whatever's uh, needed. But again, it depends on the artist. Um, same with guitars. I still do guitars section by section as much as I can with artists, but if they want to play it all the way through, then we'll play it all the way through. If they play it all the way through, though, I then typically get more takes than I know I need because of there's always something different. There's something that's not perfect that if I get four takes of it, then I can find the the, the double that actually fits um, or whatever the case may be. So I like to typically do it that way with, with those style of things. It's just easier for me after the fact to make sure that it's as, as perfect as it can be 
And that's that's my that's my the way that I approach productions is trying to make it the best representation of the song. And that's to me with less mistakes. So I like to have the options to be able to just go back and take a look. That's kind of how I approach that stuff. And I hope I gave you some insight into it. Um, maybe I'll do a this. I could talk about this for a while. So maybe this could be a, a whole episode of itself or a video on on how to approach layering and how to approach recording in that sense. But that is kind of a brief overview of how I do it and and just some ideas for you to get you started. So I hope that answered the question. <laughs> but we're going to stop it there. That is it for this episode. And please go on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on my website, submit your questions. Let me know what questions you have. Now you kind of see what I'm doing with this. So I'd love to answer your questions. I love being able to answer the specific questions referring to different videos or different podcast episodes. Please submit your questions. Let me know what you're wondering. And I'm more than happy to answer them on the show. And I want to do more of these. I want to be able to do more of these. So please submit your questions. I will see you in the next episode. I have some very exciting exciting episodes coming so stay tuned for that subscribe if you haven't already on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss any future episodes that come out every wednesday and i will see you in the next one until then always be creating